What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dynasty Rankings Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an Jew. And with me, of course, is Alexander McKenzie. You can find him on Twitter at JackedUpOnMountainDew. Okay, we did an episode last week, very draft-centric. For those of you that view this show exclusively on YouTube and not on the podcast network, thank you guys very much for checking the show out. It did very well. Uh, almost as well as the one we did a couple of weeks ago. So hanging right in there, obviously, um, we are beginning to turn the corner on subject matter. We talk about this week over week. If you're a team that's not in the running this year, then it's full steam ahead looking at the draft class, getting excited about that because you're not excited about what's going on in your league. Uh, Trade deadlines are coming up, so you have to move these players, uh, make some decisions. And what's going to be really interesting about the episode that Alexander and I are putting together this week is that we're going to give you NFL veteran insight and also weave in some of the draft analysis with it. What we're going to do, Alexander put together a a data set that shows EPA, passer rating, a combined score. We'll explain all this, but really it it identifies some of the inefficiencies and some of the teams that are... um, overwhelming and maybe aren't getting credit for it. And some of the quarterbacks that are being very, very slept on that you might consider making plays for before the season's trade deadline closes, or maybe going into the off season when their price dips a little bit more. So this will be a fun one. This is data heavy. So if you guys are listening, uh, we will do our best to explain what it is that we're seeing on the screen. Um, if you're watching on Spotify, thank you guys for checking it out. I know you'll enjoy this. And again, if you're on YouTube, um, this is going to be a very video centric, uh, episode, but again, we'll do our best to narrate. So Alexander, uh, how are you doing? And are you ready to dive into this stuff? I'm doing great. And I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to dive into this stuff. I think we're, you know, kind of hitting the end here with all the, you know, playoffs approaching and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it's interesting to kind of do a, you know, retrospective on, on how the season has gone so far and, and, and kind of getting a better idea of what, uh, the landscape will look like for these incoming 2024 rookies. So, the big thing that I want to say, disclaimer, I don't have like a loud like stamp noise as it hits like the pavement or whatever. Um, don't shoot the messenger. Th- this is data that's been curated, uh, put together by Alexander. He's not the one that recorded this data. A lot of this data, if you guys are PFF users, if you use other uh, you know data analysis websites, much of it is subjective. But again, it gives us an idea of what is taking place and allows us the ability to follow some of these breadcrumbs back. Um, to some explanatory reasoning behind why we are seeing or not seeing certain things in offenses. So I'm going to bring up the sheet right now. Uh, Let's pop this up on the screen right here. So we've got this very beautiful um, Google Docs file. I got to turn myself down here as I'm blowing out people's eardrums. Um, Very beautiful Google Docs file here. Alexander, do you want to kind of just explain real quick like what we've got across the top and what we see in general here before we dive in? Yeah, sure. I mean, we're really just kind of looking at the landscape of, you know, uh, EPA, which is, you know, expected points added, uh, just kind of looking at that combined with, uh, you know, average QB passer rating and seeing how, what insights we can receive for, you know, how, you know, the weapons of either the rushing, receiving or passing of a, of a team, uh, and where, where we can find kind of, you know, openings here for, you know, these upcoming 2024 rookies and also kind of look at, um, on the season as a whole at this point in time and see, you know, what kind of insights we could have gained from this or what kind of players we should be buying in the future. Um, And yeah, we kind of, you know, talked about this pre-show about what kind of players, 
in these you know scenarios and, and these insights that we come from this uh, data set, you know what kind of players we should be buying uh, buying low on that you know maybe people are sleeping on. Yeah, and, and now, admittedly, um, we we had a little bit of pre-show. And we went over a couple of these teams, but off off your memory, some of the notes that you've taken. What are some of the things that you and I had talked about that we thought were kind of like interesting nuggets and were going to be very valuable to dynasty players trying to make some decisions about. What do they do to sort of appropriate their team and prepare themselves a year ahead when the value of these players has really, really dipped because the excitement around them has fallen with it? I think really someone like a team like uh, Denver, really like in this combined score here where we kind of do a combination of the team's total EPA with their average QB passer rating. Um, you kind of look there and they're, it's kind of crazy to see them, you know, at, at, at seven really because of the, offensive woes that they had at the beginning of the season combined with, you know, how poorly they played um, Russell Wilson's first year uh, with Denver. Um, I think it's a opportunity for, you know, potentially a young receiver to kind of go here with, you know, talks of, of trading Jerry Judy, um, Cortland Sutton, almost approaching 30. And uh, I think Russell Wilson is kind of starting to play his best ball here at, at, in Denver um, the, it's a potential void for, you know, an impact rookie that they could you know, either trade up in the draft for um, or get one at value because this wide receiver class is so loaded. And we had talked about this and I'll, I'll pull it up here now. Um, well, maybe I will in a sec. When you look this year in the or in the you know in the league, you would be shocked to find out that Russell Wilson is currently number six in the NFL in total touchdowns with twenty. He's one of only six players in the league with twenty touchdowns, and he has just four interceptions. So the least of all the quarterbacks with twenty or more touchdowns. It's pretty impressive overall. And then again, you look at as usual, three hundred and nineteen pass attempts, uh, at least. 50 more than the next closest guy above him. I mean, this is quintessential Russell Wilson, right? The the efficiency uh, ha has been up more than we saw last year. And it's not a shock, right? That they got their bearings under themselves. You get Sean Payton, you get a change offensively, and suddenly things start to come together. But to your point, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, um, things may change. Now, you and I talked about this, just floating some names out there. But if a player like Malik Neighbors... Uh, goes to Denver, even if your concern is how often Russell Wilson throws the ball, if you're the number one in his offense, you're going to be fed. And so this looks like a team on the surface, and by all accounts of perception, um, that this is a team that you want to invest in. And again, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort here on fantasy calc, and let's just go see where exactly Russell Wilson is sitting currently. Look at this. Despite all the changes we've seen, Russell Wilson is still between Will Levis and Baker Mayfield. Despite the fact that his passer rating, as we looked at him, we could pull that up right here. His passer rating is, where's he at? Number five in the league right now. Um, we, we brought up Denver's situation with the combined score of passer rating and total EPA. So again, look at that EPA. I mean, 53, if you sort the EPA currently, if we sort this to, let's go Z to A. So we'll start from the bottom. Nope, you got it? You yeah, have to do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So if we sort total EPA, uh, let's see where that shakes Denver out to. Did you adjust that? Uh, No, for total EPA, it's Z to A. There we go. Okay. So total EPA puts Denver at number 14 in the NFL. So you take into account 
The fact that, you know, this isn't a team that's making monster plays week over week like some of these other offenses are, despite the fact that he's got 20 touchdowns, but his passer rating is super high. Um, and he's the QB 21 on fantasy calc, and that's based on actual trades and leagues. So I think right off the bat, I totally agree. This Denver offense, Russell Wilson, it seems like a like a buy low in many cases. Absolutely. I, again, I think you you referenced it here that the total EPA of the team is you know sort of indicative of the weapons, but I think Russell Wilson has kind of gotten way better at his efficiency. Gonna go back to where he was at in the, the Seattle, um, and again, it's a, a, an ample opportunity for you to you know buy someone like Russell Wilson who's going with someone like Will Levis who has really um, kind of regressed since his uh, since his debut. Um, I would be easily trying to buy Russell Wilson and also trying to get any piece tied to him in that offense next year. It's, it's, it's just the classic treatment of Russell Wilson. I think last year, a lot of people assumed that Russ was pretty much toast. Um, and then again, we're seeing him right now. Now we're on keep trade cut and keep trade cut as we've tried to avoid here in the past, but here's Russell Wilson again, QB 21 yet again, uh, between Deshaun and Kirk Cousins below Will Levis, just above Baker Mayfield. So pretty much exact mm-hmm. same territory. Um, what was another? What was another one of the insights that you and I had talked about that we thought was uh, fairly profound in here? I think the one that was fairly profound was uh, you know seeing a mock for uh, this last week in our last video of seeing you know Caleb Williams being mocked in New England, um, and then just sort of looking at New England as a whole in terms of. You know, this combination score, which we would do Z Day uh, here, just a second. Um, and New England being one of the worst teams in, you know, receiving EPA, uh, rushing EPA, obviously passing EPA and passer rating with, you know, Mac Jones continuously struggling. But what's really what stands out is if you sort it by, you know, something like receiving EPA, um, there's also the one of the, they're the worst yep. Yep. in terms of receiving EPA. Uh, with that being said, I, 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 how do how does a player like Caleb Williams, no matter how talented, uh, go into this offense with really, you know, zero help? Um, uh, someone, you know, we referenced Demario Douglas, but I don't think he would move the needle for for uh, Caleb Williams, and I just don't think it's a you. It brings up a bigger question of something like, you know, would you rather have the one hundred and one and get Caleb Williams, right? And let's say he goes to New England. But he's got the talent, right? He's he's been prolific in college, you know, you know, the arm talent, the you know, mobility. Or would you rather have someone like CJ Stroud who's having a historic rookie QB season? Um it's a, it's an interesting question. Like, would you who would you rather have? And I think now it's kind of easier for people to kind of say potentially Stroud, but I, I just don't see if he goes to New England that he could really it would really squander his dynasty value. I'm going to tell you right now, number one, everybody knows this. There are no guarantees of any quarterback performing. And by the way, it's expectation of Caleb Williams, right? It's it's people's lofty expectations of him. I'll tell you this much. A number of people right now would say they prefer the 101 to C.J. Stroud. You only prefer the 101 to C.J. Stroud until the moment that New England takes Caleb Williams with that pick. Then, then you have to decide, do I want the guy who has, let's, let's go to the offensive line, by the way, let's pull that up because that's a, that's an entirely different part of this conversation. New England, a bottom seven offensive line 
as noted here by PFF, as Alexander brought up, the least efficient receiving EPA in the league, one of the lowest total EPAs in the league, a a hard-nosed coach in Bill Belichick that has got to be near impossible for your average quarterback to perform under. And again, you guys cannot assume that any other quarterback will be able to function the same way Tom Brady did. You guys have 20 years of Tom Brady and three of Mac Jones. I mean, think think about that for a second. You've got like 6% of Bill Belichick has been Mac Jones. Okay, we don't know a damn thing about what it would be like for a quarterback like Caleb Williams. And I'm just I'm just telling you on the surface, this is one of those situations where they have to work on receiving weapons, they have to work on offensive line weapons. We don't know what it's like to play under that coaching staff, and we don't know that Caleb Williams is a surefire thing at the NFL level. He's a great prospect. He's a phenomenal prospect. Phenomenal. But anybody who's going to tell you that he's a surefire thing is lying to you. So if Caleb Williams goes to New England, based on what we've seen from C.J. Stroud in year one, I'm I'm pretty confident in saying how much better does Caleb Williams have to be to make him worth taking all the additional risk when C.J. Stroud has been this good? Because again, let's go to Fantasy Calc for a second. Let's roll up. Stroud is number five on here. But he's slowly nudging his way up. You cannot tell me he isn't going to be in the conversation jumping Herbert and Burrow very soon. I mean, that that is he is right there right now. We get a couple more good games out of Stroud. He keeps, you know, battling in these comeback situations, keeps performing the way he is. If he rushes for any more touchdowns, you're gonna have to eliminate that concern. Um, so I like Caleb Williams, but we've noted so many reasons why uh people should be fearful of New England and the situation with Belichick. And we keep hearing how long is Belichick going to stay around, right? Like how many of these porous teams does he want to get behind and coach? So are we going to be going two years with Belichick? He's going to step down year three, new head coach. I mean, it sounds a little like a Trevor Lawrence saga all over again, except Lawrence had a few more better pieces around him to start, but all in all a really bad situation. So to your point, one one Versus C.J. Stroud, well, if it's Caleb Williams in New England, uh, I feel like I'm going Stroud. I, I think it's almost like advantageous if you're one of those teams that is, is you know, ever, uh, consistently each year kind of, you know, struggling to build a, you know, a legitimate roster, right? And you are, you know, you get, you get high draft picks, but either they get injured or something like that, and you're in a super flex league. And you have the opportunity to, you know, sell off the idea of Caleb Williams and get a player like C.J. Stroud, who's playing so well. And then we even, you know, sorted this this chart by uh, combined score again here, and with Houston being, you know, third in the league, uh, right below Buffalo and San Francisco in terms of, you know, average passer rating and team total EPA. Yeah. Um, that's a player that you know who you're getting. There's obviously potential for regression, but what does that put him at that point, right? The next year, um, obviously. So I, I think to me, if you are a team that you want a surefire thing, your surefire thing is the guy that's already playing in the league. And then the other one is, has the potential to be on Chicago. Who's, you know, really been pretty poor. And then other, other bottom half team or bottom of these half teams in terms of EPA and then other, other weapons, but again, if he goes to New England, it's it's the worst thing for you if you have or hold held on to that one oh one up until draft day. 
Yeah, you would much rather Chicago at this point, in all sincerity. I would much rather he go yeah. to Chicago for his immediate value. Despite what happened to Justin Fields, I'm much more confident. If it's between Chicago and New England, give me Chicago. But you've brought it up here. Houston, total EPA, great. Receiving EPA, by the way, C.J. Stroud, a, a big reason why we're seeing this as well. But these guys have outperformed expectation. Nico Collins, Tank Dell. We, we talk about all these guys time and time again. And the other thing, too, is you look at the pass blocking grade. Houston was 31-32 to start the year. Now they're at number 15. You know, And we did some digging on this. C.J. Stroud is number 31 in time to throw. So it's not like he's getting the ball out so fast that his offensive line is not being you know credited with potential hurries. Um, they've just gotten better as a whole. And it's probably the fact that Stroud has been so good as a passer. Defenses have to make decisions differently. They're not you know, blitzing as much. They're they're having trouble getting inside, you know, quick enough with the stretch receivers. Stroud's been great, man. It's just been so good. And I did want to say, don't let C.J. Stroud be the reason that you assume every quarterback can come in and ascend an absolutely dog crap situation. Do not do that. That is like buying into the 2014 wide receiver class and saying every class can do that. No, they can't. Um, he's playing on an absolutely different level right now. So, um, what was, what was another one of the insights that we had dug up in here? Uh, I think it was the interesting one is, and everyone really kind of has seen, you know, if you, if you sort this by, um, average passer rating and scroll down, you'll see Seattle being there at like 27th, um, which is interesting. I, I think we had talked about this in the previous show, um, and maybe in another show about the potential for Seattle to be a, a player here in this, in this, you know, sort somewhat deep quarterback class here. So you got like guys like Michael Penix jr. Here in the bottom half of the first round, you got Bo Nix going, you know, the third QB in this, in this draft. I, I think Seattle's one of those teams that potentially could trade up and go and get a guy when they really kind of, you know, they've got a young defense. They've got, obviously got weapons in JSN Lockett and, and Metcalf. Um, and then they also have they've invested some some draft picks in the offensive line. Now the offensive line's been kind of shaky this year, but they dealt with some injuries. But I think Seattle's one of those teams that they have the weapons, they have the defense. I think it's an opportunity to put a young quarterback behind uh, Geno Smith uh, and, and uh, go and get their guy of the future. And I know they signed Geno to an extension, but we kind of looked at the contract pre-show, and there's an opportunity for Seattle to kind of use. You know, uh, with 2024, you know, they would obviously would play him and maybe potentially put a rookie quarterback behind him. And then 2025, potentially sit him and then have, you know, that rookie quarterback start. Um, I think there's just a, it's the weapons are too good. Um, I think Gino has kind of come back to earth a little bit from his, uh, you know, a, amazing year last year. Uh, I just think it's an ample opportunity for a really good team to go and get um, uh, get a good quarterback in this class. Makes sense. Again, I had them pulled up here uh, looking at the Seahawks. Uh, current draft picks, again, these are variable at this point, but number 22 in the first round, they could certainly trade up. Wouldn't be a mm-hmm. surprise. Thought they were going to make a play at a quarterback just this last year. Thought it was going to be Anthony Richardson. Thought maybe C.J. Stroud was on the radar. Obviously, he wasn't. I think they thought they were going to get more out of Geno than they were this year, but as you noted, we've got offensive line issues. This could be, though, what I mean, as a whole, if we zoom out and look at every offense in the NFL, skill position players, Seattle is as good as it gets in the receiving game, in the rushing game. 
Uh, tight end, again, no offense, some other weapons out there. So they've got really great weapons. You could usher somebody in, and I tend to agree with the idea that, yes, Geno is locked into $17.4 million in 2024, but the final year of his deal in 2025, $8.7 million. He could revert to a backup at that point. You could have your quarterback selected next year, um, usher him in in 25 or maybe late in 24, but we're assuming this is a playoff team. So it's probably Geno's roster through 24 short of an injury or really underperforming. Um, But yeah, I I agree. Looking at some of the information here with Seattle, I think that they're another smart bet. Absolutely. And again, isn't this what you want really for these quarterbacks that you can get them to, you know, sit under, you know, talented uh, quarterbacks and be on uh, talented teams. Uh, the roster's already set. They don't have to. You don't have to wait for them to go get a weapon like Bryce Young's been waiting. Um, you, you get a guy that can kind of be groomed for the position. Someone that's kind of ascending. Uh, someone like Jordan Love. Yeah. No. And that's and that's a great point. That probably leads us to Green Bay. And maybe we should talk about them for a minute. Um, yeah. Green Bay was one of these teams where. You've got a quarterback that I think people were shaky on in the beginning. I'm going to go to fantasy calc real quick while Alexander sorts that sheet just so we can look at where people currently are on Jordan Love. Jordan Love right behind Bryce Young, just ahead of Will Levis, which is really interesting because I think a lot of people, and that makes him QB 19, I think that means a a lot of people are concerned about Bryce Young, rightfully so, the offense that he's in, the weapons that he has, but you have Jordan Love ranked behind him which just flat out means you're just not confident in Jordan Love um, because there's still time left on the contract ahead of Will Levis. So it feels like people are treating Jordan Love as if what we're seeing right now is more of a speculative scenario. But if you're looking into the data, I think we're seeing something different. Yeah, I mean, if you combine average passer rating with the team's total EPA, you got Green Bay ranked at 12th in the league, right? And then if you sort it again by receiving EPA, uh, you got Green Bay sorted at at twelfth again. again, so yeah. you got a top fifteen team, right? Overall with re- re- weapons, obviously, and we know we talked about Jaden Reed all year. Uh, Christian Watson has, uh, you know, obviously this last game has kind of shown, you know, what his potential could be in this offense with Jordan Love. Um, you know, you've got you've got Aaron Jones still here; he's kind of up there in age. But you've and then you also got AJ Dillon. I just think what we talked about earlier in the season was. This was a very young team going into the, this year, um, and so they had gone through their struggles. But we're starting to see a team that has a very good offensive line, you know, one of the best pass blocking units in the league. And then you've got Jordan Love getting better each each week uh, in terms of passer rating. And then you also have the weapons tied around there. I think Green Bay is one of those teams that you should be buying any piece of this offense uh, because um, there's potential for them to skyrocket the following year. That and right now, believe it or not, Jordan Love leads the NFL with 54 deep pass attempts. So still airing the ball out, which is mm-hmm. something that we like to see because we've had so many quarterbacks over the years that were so conservative or offenses had to keep them more in a box. They weren't allowing them to make big plays downfield. We're seeing that from him. Again, you go to PFF. He's also ranked with a 72.7 um, overall passer rating. So one of the better passer ratings in the league. Uh, and he's looked good. And yeah, of late, We've seen a different version starting to sort of emerge, including this Detroit game recently where he had three touchdowns, no interceptions, 268 passing yards. So starting to kind of flourish, and it's bearing out in the numbers. And you mentioned those two players. Uh, and again, very likely that these could be two players that ascend more offensively next year. We're starting to see Christian Watson flourish again. Um, but Jaden Reed is a guy that nobody should sleep on. So 
I, I think that's a great insight. And sometimes when you look at, again, like a site like Fantasy Calc, you get an idea as a whole. Like how many receivers are going to be ranked way higher than the quarterback that they're tied to, right? And so if you're seeing love down here, that necessarily means that if I was to sort this by receiver, uh, if we go for Christian Watson or Jordan Reed, uh, Christian Watson, wide receiver 42, and I'm sure Jordan Reed. Jane Reed. Jane Reed. Jane Reed's uh, Jane, yeah, sorry, Jane Reed. Uh, where is he at? Jane Reed is – was he above him? They're on the – they're right Did next I to Did I totally miss him? Okay. Yeah. Oh, now we're just now we're just out in no man's land. <laughs> Way out there. Um, yeah, Jaden Reed is, oh, we got it. Now we got to resort the whole damn thing. Oh, this is, this is the problem. Okay. Right there. So yeah, directly below him. How did I miss it? It's in a ghillie suit. Um, so number 43, uh, right behind Watson. So very interesting, but yeah, I think green Bay is one of those teams. that's certainly ascending and probably will continue to do so since we're seeing sort of this inaugural season for love and getting out there and getting his opportunity this year. Absolutely. And again, you know, you if you have a second round pick, these are players that are not going away, right? They spent a second round pick on Christian Watson. They spent a second round pick on Jaden Reed. Those are two players. They spent, you know, a high draft capital on Luke Musgrave, who has who has looked good and is an explosive tight end. Um, there's young pieces in this offense in the receiving core at Green Bay. And Jordan Love is playing, uh, you know, has, has, has gotten way better throughout the season. Um, there are young pieces in this team that that can only get better. Um, and, uh, I think there's ample opportunity for that. Yeah. And number of picks as we're looking on the screen right now, one, two, three, four, five picks on the first two days, um, two top 40 picks right now. Obviously they're sitting in the 13th position tentatively for next season. So a lot of, a lot of potential good coming this way. So that is one of those teams that's very under the radar. What's another team uh, amongst this group that's looking like they're under the radar right now? I think the biggest one, and the data won't suggest it, but if you look at like if we just sort because it does, you can't count it. Arizona here with yep. you know not really having Kyler for most of the year. If you sort it by rushing EPA, Arizona was one of the more efficient rushing units. Obviously, Dobbs was running too, but obviously the rushing prowess of of Kyler has always been in his game for the you know for his entire career. Uh, but I just think Arizona is one of those teams that that the 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 opportunity to get a weapon with the quarterback coming back, Kyler coming back. Cause the day is all going to say that, you know, average passer rating with the total EPA. Well, that was with Joshua Dobbs at QB. That was, that was with, uh, um, that was really without, you know, Kyler really ascending this offense to the level it can be. And uh, it's a team that has, has a young offensive line. They just drafted a, you know, a tackle in the first round last year. Um, and then they have a top three pick where they could get. And again, we talked about this. We're kind of talking about some of the things we talked about before. But I mean, if they get, you know, someone like Marvin Harrison Jr., and that, I think really where the value could come is if they go and get someone like Marquise Brown, right? So you envision some, you know, they, they re sign him, and then they have, you can go get someone like Marquise Brown, who obviously is, is significantly underrated in the league. Um, ever since he's ever since he's been in the league, honestly. And so you get Kyler back. This team is kind of on the buy low. Marquise Brown is kind of up and down. I think there's an opportunity to get great pieces of this team for a low price for next year. Uh, and then all of a sudden their value, their price skyrockets the next year where Arizona is at the top of this, you know, EPA metric here. Yeah. You, you look at that receiving 
EPA again. Um, if we were to sort that, probably not yeah. great as a whole. But again, that was a lot of Dobbs. Um, that was a lot of yeah. Again, let's go all the way down. So they are bottom bottom three in the league in receiving EPA. But that could change dramatically with again with Kyler affecting this number more if they did end up with Marvin Harrison, if they do sign Marquise Brown, as you mentioned. So um, I think that makes Kyler, as you mentioned, a significant buy low. Michael Wilson, I was just going to sort um, this offense right here. Michael Wilson, another one of these buy low options in this offense going forward. It just overall, you you look at their total EPA, which is atrocious as well. Just every marker would lead you to believe that Arizona has been bad. But again, Arizona was giving teams hell a majority yep. of the year. Um, and we were kind of talking about this pre-show. They look a lot like Detroit did a year or two ago when they were playing teams competitively. They almost picked up some big road wins, missed a field goal against Baltimore that I think hurt them in a potential game where they were going to win that. So there was a lot of reason to believe that Detroit was going to continue to ascend. And, and we've seen that carry forward um, over time. So there's no reason to believe that with, by the way, and I don't know if I mentioned this, 14 draft picks so far next year and one, two, three, four, five, six in the first two days, three in the top 35 currently, that this team cannot make waves next year. It's going to be very exciting in Arizona. So I think buying up any pieces you can get your hands on today are very valuable. And we know Michael Wilson's basically a throw-in at this point. But clearly, if Marvin Harrison goes to play with Kyler, I mean, is that just like, that's like the end of the world? I It is. I think, again, I think it's, you know, everyone, again, we talked about last uh, last week, Bijan being the 101, the crazy generational thing. I think Marvin Harrison with, with Kyler Murray would be unbelievable. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board with it. And I think Arizona, because of that, is a bite low. Now, Kyler did come back. Uh, so let's go ahead and see where he's been adjusted to. Uh, okay, so Kyler back to QB8. It's really funny. Because, God, we did so many shows where we were like, Kyler's the guy. Go get Kyler, yeah. Kyler, Kyler, Kyler. He was down in QB15-16 range. Uh, for many, many weeks. That that now is Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Deshaun Watson. By the way, Brock Purdy at 15 is still a very nice buy, by the way. Yeah. That's just, and I'm, and I'm sure we're going to get to some of this at some point. But again, so Kyler's back up to eight. Oh, good job. Yeah, that's where he was supposed to be all along, but now he's back up there. I don't, do I have like a, I don't have any sound effect. I'm going to play this because it makes me laugh. So anyways, uh, all right. What was another one of the insights that you and I had had dug up and kind of blew us away? I don't know if it's like it's a dug up, but I I, I think San Francisco at the yeah, top there. To obviously, obviously Christian McCaffrey has literally been unbelievable, right? But I think on top of that, I think you can't deny the passer rating. You know, and obviously everyone wants to say that he's a product of the system. Jimmy G was also he was relatively good in this offense with all these guys. But he was never really this insanely, you know, prolific. So I think we are seeing a a player that is going to continue to ascend in Brock Purdy. That I think there's opportunity for people to still buy. I mean, you even look at that list. Kyler was ranked higher than him, and 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 San Francisco is 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 through the roof on combined score um, uh, compared to you know other teams. But I I think. Getting a guy like Brock Purdy still tied to some of these weapons for the next few years, 
um, and also playing at an extremely high level. I, I just, where is the problem there with going and buying someone like Brock Purdy? There, there isn't one. And let's pull up his, his fantasy stats right now. I think that people are, are going to continue to lean on the idea that they say that Brock Purdy is a game manager. Look, you and I turned this corner, okay? I was admittedly not somebody that was a big buyer of Brock Purdy when he first came in. I thought, hey, Trey Lance is a more dynamic weapon. Uh, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that this seventh-round pick is going to ascend and essentially cut out of the picture a guy that, they had invested so much capital in. But even despite the fact that they knew that they were going to have a ton of egg on their face, okay, a complete mess in the kitchen, they were willing to deal Trey Lance for pennies on the dollar, almost literally. Uh, and, and we look at Brock Purdy this year. How many 20-point games? One, two, three, four, five, six games so far. So call him a game manager if you want. But how many quarterbacks in the league right now? Let's let's go here. Let's sort by quarterback. Pull this up. Points per game. Okay, I mean, just looking in general on 20-point average, you have five guys currently that average 20 points. Brock Purdy is currently averaging 18.1, top 11 guy. I, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. You're like, San Francisco's too efficient. So that's a good thing. That's good for him, right? Yeah, and the defense is 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 legitimate, so they're going to turn the ball over, and he's going to be in more scoring opportunities. I mean, I think this is a team that's got yes. you know elite playmakers on both sides of the ball. It's sort of like everyone loves Jalen Hurts. Well, the defense for Jalen Hurts is turning the ball over as well. Secondary is a little suspect, but there's they got a great defensive line that's going to turn the ball over, and you're going to have an opportunity to get a player that's in the red zone all the time, and it's also tied to you know the best running back in football right now in Christian McCaffrey. I mean, look at the yards per attempt this year. Number one in the league. Adjusted yards per attempt, number one in the league. Deep ball completion percentage, number one in the league. Number one in expected points added because nobody expected any points. Uh, you, you look at, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like how much, how much better does he need to play before people are willing to go, okay, I I'll buy in. I'm so confident at this point. Think about this, guys. We talk about this all the time. The The successful recipe, again, this is not an egg on the face joke. The successful recipe for NFL teams to be title contenders is not have to pay your quarterback very much money. They end up being such a significant portion of that overall capital that teams struggle to make good builds in their roster construction to be competitive enough. Brock Purdy is not making anything, and he's playing very, very well. He is not going anywhere. He's he's going nowhere. And they're going to continue to put weapons around him. It's a creative offense. And as you mentioned, the thing about Christian McCaffrey is he's a great rusher, but he's also a huge benefactor for Brock Purdy, right? Like Brock Purdy utilizes him as an outlet in the passing game. You have Debo, mm -hmm. just so many weapons. And the passer rating, as you mentioned, is so ridiculous. Um, the fact that he's QB 15, and again, Looking at who's next to him right now, he's below Howell. He shouldn't be. He's below Fields. He shouldn't be. He's below Prescott. Prescott's playing well, but if Brock Purdy is the real player and at some point you have to, excuse my French, shit or get off the pot and make a decision on what you believe. Again, this is the difference. Brock Purdy is a great example. You're either just trading assets, throwing, you know, just your day trading on players, or you're, you're taking a stance 
on somebody like Brock Purdy. If you think Brock Purdy is good, then go buy him. He's not even 24 years old yet. You're going to have the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers for the next eight years, six years, right? Why the hell wouldn't you want that guy? And he only continues to get better. But the reason that he's QB 15 is because a lot of you still don't believe that. And you would prefer to, to, you know, go after a player like Anthony Richardson, who has been dynamic and shown his legs. But where is he right now? The classic case of injury, you know, removed him from the field, which is always part of that conversation. So, Again, Brock Purdy's not going to get the respect that many of these other quarterbacks above him are getting, but he's being slept on, and that offense is way too damn efficient, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I think it's a great example of just like the recency bias. Tie, you know, we talked about Kyler and Purdy. Purdy is you know playing well, but everyone you know in the media, national media, believes that it's just the weapons around him. But I, I think it's a combination of these. You, you you have to again, like you said, take a definitive stance on a player and, and look at the, the the metrics that matter the most and 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 take in the context of the team itself and what they look at look forward um like and someone like Brock Purdy who's gonna be in a good offense, who's got a, a great defense that's gonna put him in favorable situations, I, I think going forward is 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 a huge buy, especially with people just still believing that he's not good. That's the opportunity to go buy someone like that, right? Uh, buy buy these players before people, you know, realize and see the game for themselves, and then recency bias kicks in, and then they say, "Oh, now this player is good," or, or or like Kyler. Now Kyler's playing. Oh wow, he's back to where he was supposed to be in the in the top ten conversation. I think it's just you analyze the player as a whole instead of looking at the position. Um, so here here's what bad dynasty players do. Here's what bad dynasty players do. Bad dynasty players wait till Brock Purdy gets a contract extension to go, okay, now I'll buy in. That's what bad dynasty players do. Also, if you're watching on the screen, San Francisco currently graded with a bottom five pass blocking grade. So despite all this, Brock Purdy still crushing it game over game over game. So you can decide to believe in whatever narratives you would like. You cannot buy in if you would like. Um, but despite a bad offensive line, Brock Purdy is greater than the sum of all these weaknesses. So I, I, it's just super exciting to see this going on. And again, like I know that you said that maybe this this isn't so much of an insight that we dug up, but I don't think a lot of people know truly how efficient this team is as a whole, how much better Brock Purdy is this year than last year. And despite the fact that this offensive line is not great, but this defense is exceptional and they will continue to get the ball back, which for many people that that don't pay attention to it, how much easier is it to be a quarterback when you know your defense is going to go out and make plays, right? It's not all on you every single game. So buy, buy in now, just buy in. Absolutely. What is, what's an, you got another one on the list? I think again, it's these are some of the ones that are kind of obvious. If you and it's been referenced a lot on 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 Twitter, you look at Buffalo, for example. I I feel like they really haven't lost a step, even though their record, you know, they're they're on the fringe of the playoffs. I think it's an opportunity for a team like this to potentially add another weapon. You know, we get we get you know Gabe Davis up and down uh, every every single every single week. You know, players like Khalil Shakir don't get a lot of love. Who has been who have who have been super efficient in this offense because. You know, uh, Josh Allen, regardless of what the, with the turnovers, is still playing at an extremely high level. I think just Buffalo as a whole is still not, even though their record indicates that they're 
you know, not playing well. Buffalo's offense and Josh Allen is playing at a high level. I, I think it's an opportunity to still go and get someone like Khalil Shakir so to, you know, uh, potential for Buffalo to go get one of these weapons that they may not have had the opportunity to go get. And Gabe Davis has moved on or, or, um, um, you know, you got Kincaid playing high at a high level and maybe, you know, Buffalo started to look ahead and, and try to, you know, we obviously looked at Stefan Diggs contract, but you know, the woes with between Diggs and, and this Buffalo team each year, uh, maybe an opportunity to, for them to go get another weapon. I, I think that Buffalo is a sneaky team to go spend a, a, a high draft pick on another weapon like they did last year with Dalton Kincaid. It makes sense to me, right? You got to put some weapons around him. Josh Allen, for how many years? Look at this, Josh Allen. Look at this. This year, averaging 25 fantasy points a game, 24 fantasy points a game, 24.6, 25.4. Like, we we know the guy is amazing. And if we go even further, number two in pass attempts this year, number five in carries, uh, number four in EPA, number four in accuracy rating, right? Like, like all these things are favorable. He's doing everything that he's supposed to do. Now, his value hasn't really changed at all. I mean, he's still right there at number three. He's, he's, he's right in the Jalen Hurts value range. But like you said, it's not so much about him as it is some of the weapons around him that people can go and invest in. And I think that's really the insight that's here. So, yeah, exactly. If it's Khalil Shakir, if it's whoever they draft next year, we've seen him. Again, look at what's happening with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. It's not unreasonable to believe that they go and draft some high leverage player. You know, year one, maybe he has some opportunity, a la Jordan Addison type, gets gets his shots, and then over the next year or so starts to cut into some of that work of Stephon Diggs and kind of becomes this new player that we usher in a pairing with Josh Allen. At some point, they're going to have to do it because they do need weapons in this offense. Josh Allen can't do it all himself, even though the fantasy points would indicate that he is, in fact, doing it all himself. Absolutely. I, I think... I think, yeah, he's not doing it all by himself. You know, they added Kincaid, who has been fantastic. Sure. Um, and I, I think there's opportunities with the other weapons outside of Diggs or even Diggs himself for them to go, again, spend a high draft pick on a player uh, because this offense is playing at such a high level, it, regardless of the 6-6 six and six record. Um, and I think, yeah, look at that. Get a mock draft to Roma Dunze. Oh, if he gets Roma Dunze, it's just over. Yeah, it's just yeah. the back at the top again. There's no question. Buy all the Josh Allen and Roma Dunze as as you can, because Roma Dunze is a is one of these prospects that has above a, a three uh, yards per route run. He's you know he's a he's got size. Uh, I would I can't wait to see how he tests. Um, if, if he tests well again, it's through the roof. And then there's a conversation of him, Malik Neighbors, and uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. as the some really high top five picks probably really well. Let's, let's talk about a little bit of bad. What about Pittsburgh right now? I know that Pittsburgh has a lot of weapons and a lot of people were fans of what they might do this year. Uh, but if you're anybody with a television, they've been crippling to watch week over week. Absolutely. I think Pittsburgh's one of those teams that they, they have, you know, they have the, George Pickens, who makes some highlight catches, obviously has was good in the middle of the season without Deontay. Deontay's had you know up and down. I think what's the scariest thing about um, this team is specifically how poorly uh, Kenny Pickett has played, and obviously that's what everyone realizes too. I think it's just incredible how well the team has played, specifically the defense, um, with this bad of quarterback play, and they're invested in Kenny Pickett 
in the for the foreseeable future. They're going to finish out his contract at least. Pittsburgh's one of these teams that are just not going to jump off a quarterback that they invested a high pick in and 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 admit that they kind of made a mistake. I think this is one of those teams that all the weapons around there should be downgraded because of how poorly Kenny Pickett plays. And we've seen enough games now that I think we're, you know, in year two of Kenny Pickett, we're starting to see really nothing really different. You, you can you can attribute the issues to the offensive coordinator to an extent, but at, at some point you have to uh, you have to account for the fact that that the the players are the ones on the field making the decisions, and and Kenny Pickett is not making very many good decisions, and the weapons around him. I feel like our potential cells outside of even, you know, Jalen Warren, they still got Najee Harris uh, for, you know, at least two more years. So I just think all these weapons will always be up and down in this scenario. So I don't really, I'm not sure how to evaluate these guys. If Kenny Pickett is continuing to play quarterback. I'll tell you what, I'm looking at fantasy calc right now and I'm surprised George Pickens is above Rashi Rice. I would take Rashi Rice all day long over George Pickens uh, maybe there's like, maybe they haven't updated the website in like 19 days. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. And I think that's the problem too. We're seeing inefficiency. The other part about it is, you know, we saw multiple games missed by Deontay Johnson. Then he came back the first week that he came back in week seven, he was out targeted by George Pickens. But since then he has either tied or out targeted George Pickens in every other game that they've played together. So it just reverted back to exactly what it was that we saw last year. The priority of the target share goes to Deontay Johnson. George Pickens continues to do whatever it is that he does. And he's, he's a tough player to own, especially if you're not playing in best ball formats what's the upside, right? Like how many years go by before you go, oh, this is the guy. He doesn't have the quarterback playing often. That is what is associated with players making these big leaps at the next level. It's what you and I are going to continue to talk about. Some of these rookies, if they go to situations that are not fruitful, how long are you going to hang around? Again, people can always bring up the DeAndre Hopkins scenario. Yeah, okay, if you're going to see 167 targets, Matt Schaub really isn't so bad. If you're going to see 130 targets, then yeah, an inefficient quarterback where you end up with 66 catches for 851 yards is not very good. So I'm with you. I think a lot of Pittsburgh's offense is a sell um, in the passing game, and it's just kind of concerning overall because I don't know when Kenny Pickett is is going away, but I don't think it's anytime soon. Absolutely. I uh, I also the the other one that was an insight and you referenced it already is you know obviously Rasheed Rice. if you look at passing EPA on the on uh, sorted by there, uh, we've got you know Casey at, at six, but their passer rating is pretty low. So you know Mahomes has struggled because his receivers haven't been getting open, and the receivers that he's wanted that that have really been able to be able to be playmakers have really not played a lot of snaps. And now you got to see this last game with you know Las Vegas, um, you know Rasheed Rice having like a sixty percent snap share, you know nine targets on the game. I, I think this is one of those guys that, again, you should keep buying. I mean, especially when you reference fantasy calc, Rasheed Rice still being lower than George Pickens, and he's tied to, you know, tied to Kenny Pickett for this uh, this thing. So I, I think Rasheed Rice should be a buy if this is still going on. Um, but obviously people are probably changing their minds now after they saw that game. But no way in hell should Rasheed Rice be rated lower than uh, George Pickens. I think... You got target rate. Rasheed Rice on the year is top five in in passer rate passer rating when targeted. 
Uh, I think this is one of those guys that can, he gets yards after the catch. He's got some issues with some drops, but he's just one of those guys you got to keep feeding targets. He profiles as an inside and an outside receiver. Um, those are the guys that you want. And again, I don't need to show you any data to say, you know, he's tied to Patrick Mahomes. So you already know who he is. Uh, so go get, go get Rasheed Rice in, in all formats. Yeah. And if, if he ascends next year in a much bigger season, nobody's going to be surprised because, again, we were just talking about this. That is what necessarily elevates these players to another dimension, right? A quarterback that's going to lock in on them. We've seen Mahomes do it in the past. I think that they're just ushering him in slower with the offense that was around him. You know, it's what broke some of the other receivers in the past. Your Tyreek Hill is gone now. Uh, you know, the dynamic nature of this offense has changed as a whole. So, yeah, Kansas City is a great one. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL, so obviously not sleeping on Rice. Uh, every other part of this offense, though, I have no interest in, uh, short of Travis Kelsey, but again, Kelsey's getting old as well. Uh, is there another team that you wanted to touch on? The last one I think would be that was interesting is, uh, I, you know, you soar by receiving EPA, Tampa Bay with Mike Evans playing the best, you know, he's ever played and potentially buying you know, Mike Evans just for as a rental for the next year. We've talked about 30 year old wide receivers, uh, in a, in a long video ago. Uh, Mike Evans has played his best ball here with, uh, with, with, uh, Baker Mayfield. I think this is just, again, this is an offense that's got, you know, Rashad white at running back. Who's played really well, especially in the passing game. And then you've got Chris Godwin still on, on the team. Um, obviously there's a question of whether or not Mike Evans, and that's a big if, but if there's a player that could go and 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 has, if you look at the stats that Mike Evans has put up, now he's putting up crazy numbers with 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 Baker Mayfield at quarterback. This is one of those guys that you should be throwing a flyer, you know, third round potentially second round pick if you're a contender, so you can get him. Who knows where he goes? He could go to Kansas City, and they use they have him at on offense. Um, but I, I think Mike Evans is one of those guys that is playing incredibly well. Um, and this Tampa Bay team, if they go and keep Mike Evans and they sign him to an extension and they draft a rookie quarterback, this is again, one of those teams where I think Baker is playing above where he has his entire career. And there's an opportunity for a rookie quarterback to sit behind him for a year and allow himself to, uh, you know, get better. And this is a good organization. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, we've, we've looked at, I don't know why it doesn't want to pull up Mike Evans there. Um, you're, you're not wrong. And you look at Tampa Bay, and when we've seen him with competent quarterback play, Evans has been great no matter what, year over year. But you put no him with competent what. quarterback play, and Baker Mayfield has been good this year. He's been surprisingly good, enough so that Tampa Bay may be in a tough position next year deciding on what they want to do with the draft capital that they have um, and what they would do with Baker Mayfield if if you know they keep him around. Uh, but again, they've got, looks like currently a top seven pick right now. Uh, also pick 42, 73. Again, these can move, but if Baker's playing decent, you know, what do you do? Do you continue to build for your future quarterback? Do you go get a guy now? There's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft, so it's sort of yet to be determined, but I like the take on Mike Evans, his value again, Chris Godwin, both these guys are electric and very talented wide receivers. So they're both. Um, by lows in many regards. And let's just go see just out of morbid curiosity, Mike Evans, wide receiver 27. So not crazy, right? Probably where he should be considering his mm -hmm. age. Uh, Chris Godwin, wide receiver 35 below Deontay Johnson, about the same age. Uh, but 
just, I mean, better overall situation, but Deontay's continuing to still get those targets. So that's probably why he maintains that spot. Um, well, is there anybody else you want to hit on from this list before we call it quits? I, I know we've touched on a lot of these. This is really, it's a fun exercise because we're looking at these offenses as a whole. We're also looking at composite information of what they've done plus the passer rating, which kind of helps illuminate some of the situations. I think, again, you look at teams like San Francisco, you look at Houston, shocker with what we're seeing right now from C.J. Stroud. Not surprising. You go down the list, Miami, Dallas, Buffalo, Philly, Detroit. Like These all ring a bell in your head when you think about these offenses, and we're seeing this combined score. So we know that the correlation uh, between the total EPA uh, the average quarterback passer rating, uh, it does translate to the players that are surrounding this level of production. So I think it's a fun exercise. Alexander and I are going to continue to deploy more advanced metrics in this format in the future. So uh, let us know. Is there something you guys would like us to dig into? Uh, is there a theory that you've had? Make sure you comment below in the video and, and we'll see if we can weave that in to a future video. Because in all sincerity, I'm certainly a data geek and enthusiast. Obviously, Alexander is way down this rabbit hole. And this is the type of content we really like because there's not a lot of people that are putting together this information and displaying it to you and going, hey, here's a way for you to think differently. Here's a way to view information uh, different than listening to Booger McFarland tell you that quarterback X hasn't been playing well in the last two games, right? So, um I don't think we have really anything else that we're going to dig into in this particular episode. So again, I want to thank everybody for checking this one out. Of course, please make sure you guys comment below. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Uh, tell us what in the data you saw while you were watching that you thought stood out that maybe we missed. We'll address it on the next episode. If you guys are listening to the podcast right now, make sure, of course, you rate and review. It helps us a lot. I'm not going to make the same footballers joke, even though I kind of just did. Uh, make sure, of course, if you're on YouTube, hit like, hit subscribe, uh, join this growing channel. And of course, I'm seeing people flowing in uh, daily over on the Discord. Go to the description, follow the link, join the Discord. Every Friday, we play an XP game. Uh, I started giving away some hoodies. I don't know if I've got many of these to give away. This is uh, my own personal branded logo on a hoodie, but Alexander's worn one, one of the Dynasty Rankings hoodies. I'm giving one away now, so I'm going to start doing more giveaways like that. Maybe a big one for Christmas. Something I might do something like Bonanza giveaway on Christmas, so make sure you guys jump in. Um, otherwise, we will see you guys next week, and I'm sure we're going to have a lot more 2024 rookie draft analysis coming your direction, so stay tuned. We'll see you then.